So it was a beautiful weekend if you were a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And if you're anything like me, you started your Sunday knowing that you had a game to watch. And I got up and I had my fresh onesie on, my slipper socks on, and I went and made myself a nice cup of coffee with a bit of froth on top. I also had my breakfast ready made the night before, so all I had to do was heat it up in the microwave and I crept back into my bed because my housemate was still asleep and I opened my laptop and I was ready to watch three hours or however many hours it was of hockey. And my God, what a beautiful Sunday morning it was to be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I'm so sorry if you're a Philadelphia Flyers fan, only a little bit, but to get up on a Sunday and start your day watching your team win a shutout 6-0 was a beautiful thing. Oh, it's a good time to be a Leafs fan. And I'm so glad that although Jolon is uh, in North America and he's been wearing his Leafs jersey in New York and Boston, peeing people off on the subway, I'm delighted to say that this week we're talking Toronto Maple Leafs. Whilst Jolan is uh, off, I'm sure he'll be delighted to join back next week and we'll see whether his promise uh, has come to fruition. Uh, as he said, that William Nylander will be a Leaf by the time he comes back off holiday. We'll find out in the next few days whether that actually, actually happens because it's still not happened so far as we record this podcast. Uh, but in the meantime, he likes to call himself the emergency backup goalie. Um, or backup goalie, or are you emergency goalie? I don't know, Stephen Edwards. What are you these days? What do you want to be called? I think I'm a bit still more of an emergency goalie rather than anything else. But yeah, I, I sit in for anyone with it, be you, Claire, or Joe Long, whenever you're off on your travels. No, you're not a backup in our, our <laughs> eyes anyway. So you are obviously pretty happy right now. Colorado aren't doing too bad, are they? You've had a good week. We've had a tremendous week, including winning in Anaheim and Los Angeles as well. So uh, we almost repeated your little feat that the uh, Maple Leafs did. But yeah, it's been a good week. You know, Rantanen and McKinnon are still firing all cylinders. And JT Comfer's back. Um, and he scored three goals in his first two games since coming back as well. So things are looking up, although we do have to play Nashville. Um, and that's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah. See, it seems like there's a bit of a, a tale of two halves in the leagues at the moment. Um, there's the people that are doing really great and the people that aren't doing so great. I mean, we're going to talk today about Buffalo Sabres. What's the secret? These guys went from being the worst in the league to now suddenly they're on this winning streak. Um, and people are sat here thinking, wow, is this finally the end for them for this seven-year playoff drought? Um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we mentioned them a little bit last week, didn't we, Stephen? Yeah. But I know we want to talk a little bit more in detail. Are you surprised? I I am surprised. I mean, I think that they're not, for me, a team that should be right at the top of the Eastern Conference. They're kind of like a middle-of-the-pack team. But I think where they are um, doing incredibly well is in net. I think their net-minding all season long has been incredibly good. And I think that's a, that is certainly something they didn't have last season when they were very much towards the bottom of the NHL. So I think it's like everything else. If you can get some good net mining in there, then you're always going to stand a chance. And in Carter Hutton, 
I think he has been great all season long, and they've got a very good backup as well in Linus Allmark as well. So as long as them two can be consistent, the scoring is up as well for them. Um, but I certainly wouldn't expect them to stay at the top of the top echelon of the Eastern Conference. All right. Well, we'll go into some more stats on them in a little while. Um, also, we're asking, what the heck does a GM do in the NHL? <laughs> Uh, comes as time was called on Ron Hextall by the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, he was seen storming out the press box after that shutout in, uh, on, in Toronto on Saturday. Um, other things we're talking about, will we finally see an NHL team back playing in Belfast in 2020? Uh, some info into that. And just for fun, uh, we set a question on social media this week, who would be in your ginger NHL fantasy team? Current and past players and no gritty doesn't count but I'll explain <laughs> what inspired me to think of this question uh, don't forget you can obviously follow all the updates that we put on social media we're at NHL fans from afar and the email is simply NHL fans from afar at gmail.com we're always looking for fans of different clubs actually we want to try and cover as many of the 31 clubs as possible over this season so if you know that your team hasn't been given a shout out this week send us a line and we'd love to get you on and obviously if you subscribe to this podcast we're on uh, quite a few platforms now actually apple google play spotify if you subscribe then you'll find that you get the episode before we actually announce it you'll pick it up on a wednesday evening instead of when we announce it on thursday morning so you get first dibs on the latest episode well, it delights me to welcome our guest this week as he's someone who I've uh, snooped about and seen on Twitter for quite a while. And also I've snooped on his blog quite a few times because he seems to know a heck of a lot about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Mark, how are you doing? Welcome to NHL Fans From Afar. Well, thanks for inviting me on. I'm doing very well uh, as a Leafs fan right now. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're having a good time. The Marley's not so good at the moment, but uh, they won a Calder Cup last year. So um, all things in perspective. But it's great to see the Leafs having a fantastic season. We're going to come on to your connections with AHL and the Marlies um, because I think that's an important thing to kind of set because you cannot talk about the Leafs without talking about the Marlies right now um, and what a great farm that's been for the Leafs. Um, but just take us back to how you became a Leafs fan. I was, I was on vacation in Toronto in 2000. I was taken to my first Leafs game on November the 29th, 2000. It was against the St. Louis Blues. I knew nothing about hockey and the Leafs were leading 5 nothing. I think, I think they scored early in the third period and they were leading 5 nothing, and they went on to lose the game 6-5 in overtime. Oh man, that's a true sign of a Leafs fan. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's kind of how I fell into it. I knew nothing about the game. Uh, there wasn't really too much TV coverage. So I kind of had to tune into AM640 and listen to Joe Bowen and I just kind of, my love for the game just grew uh, from that moment really. Where did you go and kind of get into watching and finding out about this information? Because back in 2000, there wasn't really a lot happening on the internet, surely. We weren't seeing all these podcast invasions that we see now. I mean, I imagine, I don't know what was happening then in terms of like NHL Game Center. Were you kind of trying to watch things late night on Channel 5? It was it was more like uh, I listened to as many games as I could uh, on the radio, on the online radio. Um, there were highlights uh, on the Leafs we uh, website, uh, just bits and pieces, really. It was it was a bit sporadic. Obviously, when my friends in Canada were trying to keep me in touch and send me things and stuff, but 
yeah and then we had the whole uh channel five stuff as well so yeah it, it's it's it feels like a lifetime again i guess 18 years is a long time but uh yeah it's it's kind of been a, a progress from there really it's it is strange isn't it because i've become a toronto maple leafs fan because my dad moved out to toronto and he's been there for over 10 years and um thinking of toronto connects me to my dad really and the irony is that when i used to go over and visit him he hates ice hockey he just can't understand it he just thinks it's a bunch of thugs um on tiny bits of steel on ice he doesn't understand or love the game but it's it's bizarre isn't it when you kind of just there's something about the sport that really kind of just hooks you in. And although I kind of didn't follow the sport um, all the time, you know, followed a team until only a few years ago, it kind of is one of those sports that just pops up every so often and kind of really captures your attention, doesn't it? And when you know you've got people out there, you kind of want to know a little bit more. And there's there's so many elements to the sport, I think, that it, it's perfect for a geek. I'm going to put myself in that category. I don't know about you, Mark. But um, it's perfect for geeks. You obviously write the blog. How has that come around? And you must spend hours doing this thing. I mean, the level of detail that you go into this, Mark, is is quite impressive. So I kind of got into writing. Uh, the Leafs uh, used to have uh, a website, a kind of offshoot from their website called Leaf Space, uh, which some people know what I'm talking about. And I got into uh, writing articles on that it was just fans exchanging ideas and, and articles i met some that's how i met some of my friends who i still have to this day and that's how i kind of got into it and i decided i was going to write my own blog um which turned into writing about the marlies when i found out about them and that's how i kind of fell into writing for other uh, websites out in toronto really um i'm a huge uh, stats geek like yourself um i, I keep my own ahl stats uh, but what are we talking though because i mean i actually uh well i mean we're connected on video here so i can show you i've got my geeky hockey pad here um and i go through and i'm listing all the players and how old they are and where they're from and what their what their goals uh what their points were from the last year um for another team that i used to follow i used to kind of keep uh, a record of every single game sheet and i draw it all by hand i mean what level are we at here mark lay it down for me um, I'd, I'd love to do more than I actually do, but um, so, but <laughs> but the, you have a life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try to have a life. Um, but basically, even just at sort of the Marley's level, I keep I keep track of um, even strength points, power play points, shorthanded points, things like that. Um, goaltending stats, um, shots per period, all, all kinds of different things, just to try and give myself a different angle. Because in the AHL, those statistics are not readily available like they are the NHL website, which you can go on and, and get that information. So I try and keep as much as I can just, just for one team. I mean, to do the whole league would be insane. I mean, Mark, you go over to Toronto a couple of times each season, not just to see the Leafs, but also to see the Marlies. Um, what, what, how, do you, how do you afford this? And how often do you get tickets to go and see the Leafs? Because I have to say, it's, it's almost impossible it's just one of those places, isn't it, where to buy a ticket costs a fortune or you need to know someone who knows someone who knows someone. Well, the way it's affordable is that I've been going for 18 years and I have friends out there who um, who I stay with. So I don't have to pay for hotels. So I'm very lucky uh, in that respect. As far as Leafs games goes, I kind of, if I don't see them live, it's kind of fine now. I, I live with it. It's very expensive. 
I try and do the whole uh, get free tickets, like the Ford Fanatic thing, which you'll know about mm -hmm. uh, that the Leafs do. Uh, but generally, if I go and I'm watching on TV with my friends or at a bar, that that's great. You know, you're watching at a decent time. You can have a beer. It's fantastic. Um, I sometimes go to Buffalo uh, on the road with my friends. Uh, so we go to a road game, which obviously a bit more um, able to get tickets for a start, let alone afford them. Mm. Uh, Marley's games, yeah, they're, you can get a Marley's ticket for like 10 bucks. Um, it's a really affordable way to watch hockey. Um, and I've even followed them on the road before. It's just, it's just great fun um, at, that, at that level because it's affordable, but you're also seeing young talent. And when, when you're playing different teams, you're getting to learn about their young draft picks as well. So there's that factor to it as well. Well, let's let's kind of talk about the Marlies then and how you are connected into them. I know this is NHL fans from afar, but I think it is really important. One of the, the things that I, when I really started geeking out, getting into NHL, as I delved into that kind of long tunnel of learning about affiliate teams and thinking, where are these players coming from? Because it's not all about the draft picks, is it? It is about the good farmyards that that are being created for people to come through and Leafs are seeing so much of that you know you look at Garrett Sparks um against Pickard uh the other day for Flyers um and you know just incredible Andreas Johnson obviously all three of those were playing together in the Marlies and I imagine actually um people might kind of sniff at the AHL and think well it's not the a the NHL is it who cares but Watching those guys play in the NHL, I imagine they must have been pretty exciting in the AHL as well. Well, I, I, I don't want to bring up William Nylander, but the first time I saw him in the AHL, I was utterly blown away just by his skating ability. So, yeah, there are guys that you see and you're just like, well, this this guy can play. But just, just to quickly to run through a few uh, current leaves, I mean, you've got Connor Brown, Nylander, Sparks, Hyman, Gautier, Levo. Kapanen, Janssen, Dermot, Justin Hull. Then you've got Leipzig and Soshnikov who are no longer with the team. Um, you know, that's just a small fraction. But to get away from the Leafs, I mean, if you talk about Pittsburgh, that's how they've won two Stanley Cups. They have great talent and then they have all these guys on the cheap. They've developed uh, Wilkes Bar Scranton Penguins. Uh, Matt Murray came through the system. He was a guy who I saw early on in his career in the AHL. And you knew he was going to be a great goaltender. You could just see. But without that farm system now, with the hard cap, it's very, very difficult to win a Stanley Cup. You can't make that big trade anymore, I don't believe, to win a Cup. You need to develop your own talent. Yeah, and we're seeing this in teams like LA Kings at the moment, which basically they're just a bunch of old men. That's probably a really crude, horrible analysis. <laughs> and I'm sure LA Kings fans are screaming at me right now. But as my perception and my very little knowledge of you know that that team that's my perception that they don't have all these exciting players and what we're really seeing is that if if the league is changing and it's all about speed then if we're seeing those kind of speedy players coming up from the AHL like people like Kapanen in the Marlies then you need to go out and kind of hook up with some of these guys that are out there in the AHL who are doing great surely I mean do you think that's uh, that might be the situation? It's, it's, it's down to two things. Uh, and I, I think Toronto have done a fantastic job of it. it, it it's drafting and development. And it's, 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 putting, it's putting all the elements in place ready. So you, you get the best people in 
to draft the best players. And the Leafs have done a pretty good job of that uh, of late. And it's given them all the facilities um, to develop correctly. You know, and they've actually, uh, to take it down another level, they've actually just affiliated uh, themselves with a new ECHL team, uh, Newfoundland Growlers, who I actually went to see in October. So they've now got two level, almost like a baseball style of, of development. So they, you know, the guys are not with the Marlies, are with Newfoundland and they de- develop for the ECHL. Mason Marchment is a guy who's on uh, the radar of many Leafs fans at the moment. He spent last year in the ECHL for about, I want to say about 30 games. But he was working in the gym. He's working on his skating, developed. He joined the Marlies last year. Now this year he's becoming a dominant player in the AHL. Now that's, to, you know, that's how you have to, to, to win in, in this NHL now. You have, to, you have to develop your own players. You know, for people who aren't um, up to speed, ECHL is the, is the third tier um, of yeah. hockey in North America. And actually, you often see a lot of the ECHL players um, come across over to the Elite League. So there's been times when I was covering Elite League um, teams here where I would interview some of them and they'd talk about how they made the step up to AHL and kind of teetered between the two there and just getting their opportunity um, in the AHL. So it's... It's crazy, isn't it? It's it's really exciting. I mean, you mentioned there about having um, a combination of uh, having good draft picks as well. And if we look at some of the news this week, um, Steve, correct me if if I'm kind of getting my head muddled up here, but we saw the swapsies going on between Chicago and Arizona this week. Um, and I was listening to, I don't know if it was Leafs Nation or, or Hockey Central, and they were talking about Arizona being a team that had lost out on... Um, some really good draft picks and the impact that that had had on them. Um, so get kind of doing these swaps here would potentially kind of it was a, it could could be a good deal for them moving forwards because they'd missed out on a couple of the good guys. Uh, have I got that right in my head, Steve? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think the the thing is for me is that there are some teams out there that do great business when it comes to the draft. And there are teams out there that, that don't do. And I think with, with teams like Arizona and stuff like that, they do need to kind of have a look at things right now and be able to make the little moves. And sometimes it is. It is those little moves here and there, just tinkering things ever so slightly, you know, put together something like a three or five year plan that you can gradually kind of turn things around. I think there's a there's some teams out there, obviously at the top, that can they're, they're tinkering for the, for the now, but I think the only way teams like Arizona and other teams can try and get ahead is forget what's happened in the past and try and gradually move along in little baby steps. And I think this is very much a sign of that. Mark, have you kind of got examples where other teams have um, kind of really picked up and, and done well out of a- AHL guys? Oh, that's you put me on the spot now. Um, th- there's probably been quite a few. I think um, when you look at uh, when we had uh, the Vegas situation and when they had to pick up players that were not necessarily well-known, I know Vegas used a lot of analytics in their decision-making to pick up players. Like Leipzig is, is one guy that they decided to pick up from the Leafs. It's about need as much as anything else. Um, you know, there's a lot of players in the AHL who are never going to make it to the NHL. As you've said, many of them end up coming over to the UK or playing in Europe. But yeah, there's always that. Um, there's always that gem. I mean, I, there's, there's two two of my favourite players um, that were in the Leafs organisation were playing in the East Coast Hockey League, the ECHL. Uh, Justin Hall 
who's now with the Leafs. The Leafs picked him out of the ECHL. He was a former Chicago uh, draft pick. Didn't really make it with Rockford, who had an AHL affiliate. He was a free agent. Kyle Dubas, who was then GM of the Marlies, picked him up. And he's become an NHL player. So there are those hidden gems, but it's about trying to find those. That's, that's why I'm, um, it's about having the money to, to go in. And, and even if it's not development, it's about going out there and using all the resources at your disposal. It's much easier for for young players if they're if they have a they're signed and they're drafted, uh, but um, there, there have been cases where juniors who have been undrafted have made it. This one in Tampa, Martin Saint Louis, who's now in the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, who's an incredible player for Tampa. So there there are instances of that happening, but you obviously have a better opportunity of making the NHL if you are drafted. Yeah, some like kids, aren't there? People like talk of Mitch Marner, for instance, of the Leafs. Um, as somebody that they knew that was going to be in the NHL from his teenage years, really. He was very much kind of moulded, wasn't he, into kind of move down that route. I imagine that the scouts are kind of picking up some of these guys in their in their teenage years pretty, pretty early on. Well, he, obviously he played for the London Knights, who are one of the powerhouses of the Canadian Hockey League. Um, so that's slightly different because they were obviously one of the most scouted teams in the, in the CHL. But yeah, I mean, there's, um, you know, you look at um, the Canadian Hockey League, which is where most of the players come from, you know, and there's guys like um, Garrett Sparks, who was picked up in the seventh round. You know, the guys are all over. It doesn't necessarily matter where you're drafted. Um, you know, it, it's it's how you develop. Again, it's it's all down to that drafting players doesn't matter where you draft them but how you develop them mm. is the key thing well let's um you mentioned Garrett Sparks there and he's an interesting one for people following Toronto Maple Leafs and just generally the development of goalies in general um he's a guy who Carl Dubas the GM of the Leafs um has put a punt on really hasn't he they released Curtis McElhenney um and have gone for it with Garrett Sparks he didn't he hasn't had a lot of chance to kind of really show himself um it must have been fantastic on Saturday uh for him to take that shutout and of the games that he has played he's done he's done all right um it, a lot of people are kind of saying with him they're still kind of uh are questioning whether there is still any doubt over whether he is good enough um, uh, to be the Leafs' backup goalie. Um, where do you stand in this argument? Well, obviously, I've seen a lot of Sparks. Uh, he's had his ups and downs in his career, not just on the ice either. He's been a couple of off-ice things that haven't been the best for him. So it's mm, been a growing... He's quite emotional, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, there is that. But there's been a couple of sort of online incidents which he may have been better staying out of, um, which I won't dwell on. But, you, you know, for him... Um, it's been a work in progress. You know, he's, he's been doubted pretty much all the way along since junior. But I think people forget is that the Leafs were going to lose uh, two or three, whatever they did. They were going to lose Pickard, McElhaney, or, you know, uh, if, if they were going to go with Sparks. It was a shame that both got picked up on waivers. I mean, that really happens that two gold tenders get picked up. But, it, you know, the percentage call was to go with the younger guy, the guy that you've developed and you've put money into, the guy who just won uh, the quarter cart with the Marlies, you know, and backup goaltenders really are 10 a penny. Um, you know, the, the guy uh, who's currently tearing it up for Buffalo as their backup, 
Linus Olmark. He's not a guy who I have pegged for the NHL. You know, he's a guy I've seen a lot with Rochester. So, you know, it's a bit of a hit and miss situation with backup goaltenders. For me, Sparks has done enough. There's nothing he can do more to prove, is there? Until, um, you know, and I'm touching wood here. Freddie Anderson is not injured. <laughs> don't uh, don't choke on your tea. But those are the times, unfortunately, where backup goalies get their chance to shine. Um, and I don't want that to happen. Um, but there's not much more Sparks can do um, in this instance. Do you know what makes me nervous about um, Garrett Sparks, though? Watching uh, after the game, I always go and watch um, the post-match interviews. I enjoy watching them at source and then I go and listen to the analysis afterwards in Leafs Nation or or whatever, you know, is on the fly or things like that. Um, and watching him do his post-game interview made me nervous. And I don't know if uh, if I was working on the Leafs PR team, I would probably be squirming in my pants because there is, you know, I mentioned that word like an emotional sense about him <clears throat> that he... I don't think loose-lipped is the right word, but there's a feeling that he might he's likely to say something more than, say, your Patrick Marlowe's or your Mitch Marner's would, who are very much quite machine-like, robotic-like in their answers. Um, uh, whereas Garrett Sparks sometimes makes me nervous. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, watching he, it, you're kind of like, oh, God, what's he going to say? He's not a robot. He does have a personality. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. Do you want these guys to have personalities or do you want them to be robots? Yeah, I know. This is what Jolon said the other week. Yeah. It's absolutely what Jolon said. And, um, yeah, I suppose it's just it's because it's just it's out of the norm because these guys are obviously coached aren't they to be media friendly and you and then when you kind of get used to watching post games with austin matthews or freddie anderson and they really are robots you know you very rarely see them crack a smile do you um it just kind of feels so alien when you've watched someone like garrett sparks just put me on edge uh, I kind of like it. I kind of like he kind of if he if he doesn't have a good game or he thinks he should have had one, he'll say it. I kind of like the refreshing honesty to it. To be honest, I've, I I love Austin Matthews, but he is a bit of a robot. I think he does have a personality, but it's like if he says something, you know, it's it it's just going to get banded about all across, you know, all the all the networks, and he's going to get continuously asked about it. So I don't blame him or Anderson for not saying anything. It's a little bit easier for a backup goaltender to be a touch more controversial, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. And uh, and uh, when you're coming off the back of a win like that, why not? Those are the times. It's not going to last, is it? It's not always going to be like that. Well, no. And you're talking about a guy who 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 uh, made Leafs history when he recorded a shutout on his debut and he, he cried. You know, he shed tears because he's the first ever goaltender to do that for the Leafs. So he's a guy who does wear his heart on his sleeve and I don't mind that. It, make, it makes a refreshing change. Mm. Well, goaltending has obviously been such a crucial element this season, season in, in deciding so many teams' fates. Um, Freddie Anderson uh, is, I think, the best goalie in the league. Um, really? There are others who are up there. <laughs> uh, but in terms of consistency, stop laughing, Stephen. You're saying that I'm biased. You are a bit biased. I can't believe you think he's the best in the league. I think he's a quality netminder. Don't get me wrong, and I can see your facial expression. <laughs> but he is not the best netminder in the league right now. Let's just say that. 
okay, come on, stats aside, he's just so solid, and there's a there's a degree of consistency there. Whereas there are other people who are goalies in the league who have got many, you know, collection of silverware, but they're not showing that consistency. Carey Price, for instance, at the moment is not having the the best of times. No, he's not having the best of times. Obviously, Mark Andre Fleury is struggling in Vegas as well. But Matt Murray, yeah, Matt Murray. I mean, he could very well potentially lose his job, as we was talking about last week, because of his inconsistency through the season so far. And I think, I think it's a, it's a difficult period. I always find that these first 30, 40 games, you tend to get netminders. It can be a bit up and down at times but as long as they are where they should be come playoff time then I'm not always that concerned I mean I think you know we we know what Matt Murray's about we know what um, Marc-Andre Fleury's about I think that the bigger issue is maybe how their actual teams are performing rather than not just the the netmind inside of things obviously you know Vegas have, have struggled at times Pittsburgh have struggled at times Montreal certainly have um, and I think, yeah, I mean, the, the teams at the top of the divisions are certainly benefiting from excellent net minding. I mean, you take a look at, you know, I will say Toronto, I'm not saying that he's not the best goalie in the league. And I will again reiterate that. But he is one of the top net minders in the league. I'm not going to be quite as biased as you, Claire. <laughs> Mark, who do you think is the, the uh, you know, the top goalie at the moment? Stats aside, you know, just go with your heart. <laughs> I honestly, um, Anderson would be in the top five. Um, yes. ah. I, think, I think you would have to consider Vasilevsky, who's unfortunately injured right now. Exactly. I think you would have to pe- put Pecorino in that conversation. Um, I mean, the, the guy in Calgary, David Rittich, if that's how you pronounce his name, is having a hell of a season for Calgary right now. But, you know, goaltending does, does depend on how the team is, is, is faring to some degree. And it's the ebbs and flows. And Stephen's right. You know, you kind of only judge these things sort of when you get towards the midway point of the season and, and from there on in, really, when things kind of level off to a degree. You know, I think uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will probably bounce back a little bit. Um, you know, even a guy like Ben Bishop. I mean, he, he's playing for a team who, who tend to fluctuate, shall we say, uh, with their fortunes. So. I, I would definitely put Anderson in the top five, though. But if I had to, if I had to choose, I'd be hard pressed between Rene, Vasilevsky, and Anderson. Good choice. All good say, choices. Last week's show, Claire Vasilevsky. What you said? He was the best netminder in the league. So I said at the time that him being out injured would have a big effect on on Tampa Bay, and they actually played pretty well without him. But you know, it's still a big loss for them right now. Hmm. Let's just recap on some of the stars in, in Leafs then before we wrap up, because they're, I think what's surprising people about the Leafs um, is that there are so many people who are stepping up. And when you are a team which is missing two essential players right now um, in Austin Matthews, who's been at, what, 14 games, 15 games um, yeah. already, uh, and also the deal with... William Nylander, Willie won't he sign that kind of nonsense? Um, this the fact that you're seeing goals come from the third and the fourth line, um, you're seeing first first time NHL goals, you're seeing hat tricks from people like Andreas Johnson. It's an exciting time to be a Leafs fan, and 
you know, considering where the team was uh, three, even four years ago. Um, I mean, who who is your, I like to use the word man crush. Uh, I suppose that's the only way I can think of it, really. But who excites you the most uh, at the moment, Mark? See, the problem I have is that um, I, I tend to... Uh watch guys on the Marlies and they're like, they're almost like my sons. They go and play for the Leafs and I want them to do well, you know? So you have Andreas Janssen who, you know, obviously scored the hat-trick, couldn't be happier for him. It was ri- He's been written off a little bit this year. But, you know, it's guys like him who, I mean, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, he was he, he, in his second ever AHL game. He took an elbow to the head. Uh, concussion, he was out for a while. He's, he's been on this journey all this way until now, you know, he's AHL all-star last year and a guy like him, he could be a real X factor for the Leafs. You know, he's a guy who knows how to score. He's obviously been given the opportunity because, you know, of the absence of two big players. But yeah, I mean, the guy like Kasperi Kampanen, I didn't think he could be this good in the NHL, but he's really taking his opportunity, you know, stepping up at least one line, if not two lines, you know, and, and scoring goals. But that's, you know, that's the mark of, of what you need to do in the NHL now. You need to have depth. And that's what uh, Toronto has at forward. They don't necessarily have it on defence, but they do have it at forward, and that makes a difference. So the big question, do you think the Leafs team right now has got the essence of a team that could win the Stanley Cup? Oh, well, put me on the spot. Do I think the Leafs can win the Stanley Cup? If the Leafs stay healthy with uh, Nylander having signed... Of course they can. They can beat any team. There's not one team that they can they say they can't beat. You know, um, whether they can beat Boston over seven games, if it comes to that, who knows, right? Um, but absolutely. I mean, they've, they're as good a forward group or, or top six as there is in the NHL right now. Um, you know, they've got one of the best goaltenders. Right? We all know the, the weak point is defense. But... Um, you know, they're, they're a group of young players who are learning. And even if it's not this year, you know, hopefully in the near future, they'll, uh, I mean, let, let's just get past the first round. I was going to say that that's all I want this this uh, year. All I want for Christmas, whatever the phrase is going to be, I don't know. I'd just be happy to get past the first round, which is terrible, isn't it? But um, being in the Atlantic division, that's how it goes, isn't it? You, you're just happy to be in that situation and just hope that for God's sake, Please, not Boston. What, what about Buffalo? It'd be great if we had Buffalo. That would be a, that would be a laugh, wouldn't it? Maybe. Buffalo, Buffalo would be a really interesting series, actually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know we're going to talk about them a bit later, but, you know, that would be, um, you know, really teams are really close just across the border. That would make for a fascinating, uh, fascinating series. Uh, I, I, you know, I, there's a part of me, the masochist in me, I, I want to see us play Boston so we can kind of put that to bed, but... <laughs> Yeah, may, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe no. in the second round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just tell me, how do you um, how do you actually watch the games? What is your kind of mentality? I mean, I, I started this episode by describing how I I kind of turn all notifications off. I get up early in the morning and I you know get my cup of tea and and I love watching the game in my bed and I get excited about that and I'm on my own no one's talking to me no one's interrupting me it's my hockey time how do you go about it Mark are you a are you a live watcher or are you a save it up to the day after watcher I'm mostly a live watcher um 
if there's an AHL game, if there's a Marlies game going on at the same time, I'll generally have both games on at the same time as well as writing, but I tend to go back and watch the Leafs game again the following day because you know, I haven't really caught up on, on what's happening. But yeah, I, I generally watch live and I have my Twitter feed open and I'm conversing with people and, and, and stuff and it it kind of makes up for the fact that, you know, I'm having to watch the game on my own, you know, I'm sure you know how that feels. Mm. Um, so it's kind of nice to have, to sort of get that feedback and, and, and chat about the game as it's going on. But, there must be like, I mean, I guess Twitter is the obvious place, but there must be like kind of groups or forums where if you're a Leaf fan watching at home in your bedroom on your own, you can connect with other Leaf fans in the UK watching the game at home on their own as well. I mean, there must be. <laughs> it must be somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure about it. I mean, I, I basically use Twitter. I'm, I'm a part of two uh, Facebook groups, which are basically for UK Leafs fans. Um yeah, basically Twitter. Um, that's you know because that, that's where most a lot of my friends are on there as well. So it's it's just an easy place to chat chat with, and you get the the gifts and stuff. You can catch up with things you might have missed and bits and pieces like that. So yeah, Twitter is my go to in that respect. Tell me about the time that you spoke to Gary Bettman on the phone. Oh, yes. Uh, so okay, it's a bit of a long story, but basically in two thousand seven. Uh, there was no TV deal, no NHL TV deal in place for Europe. Uh, now, a few of us on, on the internet uh, sort of got together and we weren't happy about this. I got together with a guy called Jonathan Northall, who was who was from Birmingham, but he now lives in Australia. Mm-hmm. And we just sort of put, a, put our heads together. We thought, what can we do? So we organized a, a campaign online um, t- to let the NHL know we weren't happy. Um, on Twitter and Facebook, whatever we could do. Um, but then I thought, well, what about getting in touch with Gary Bettman? And I was, you know, and it, John kind of said, well, this, this one's on you. So uh, I was in Canada in October and I called him from my buddy's place. Um, he was on a radio show, right? We need yeah, to tell yeah. people that. You didn't yeah. just call him up and find his phone number in the no, phone. Sorry, I was just going to get to that. So they, used to have, they used to have, I don't believe they have it now. He said, uh, I think it was NHL Radio Network, uh, which he would host a show uh, once a week, I think it was, uh, for an hour, and people could phone in. I, I can remember calling in, and the um, first person I spoke to couldn't believe I was calling from the UK. He was like, are you sure? Are you sure it's not London, Ontario you're calling from? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 the UK. Um, so I, I spoke to him then. Uh, we actually had a conversation, so it, it was a two-way thing. Um, and I let, he promised me that he would be... Um, it would all be sorted out. Unfortunately, it got around to sort of November, December, and it still wasn't really sorted out. It was kind of a, it was a mishmash. It was a real mess. I called him in December because he said, call me back if things don't work out. So I did. Uh, and basically I got cut off uh, and he sort of gave a politician's answer as, as he does. And that was kind of the end of that. So yeah, I did speak to him twice and, Thankfully, we were heard and uh, we had a deal. But that was very weird uh, to speak to the uh, NHL commissioner on the phone. Oh, man. So you were watching the Hall of Fame saying, I know him. I spoke to him. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of what he's done for the NHL, though. So <laughs> there is that. But yeah, it's kind of cool. You know, you know, it, fair play to him. He took my call. So I can't complain uh, that aspect. But um, yeah, that was, it was a really weird experience. Why are you not a fan? 
Um, I, I don't, I don't believe the NHL does a good enough job of promoting the game in Europe uh, or the product in Europe, I should say. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty much an afterthought over here. Um, I'm not happy with, um, the NHL, uh, with their stance on the Olympics. Uh, I know he's done a few good things for the NHL. Like it is a, it is a bigger product than it was when he took over, but I don't believe he's done enough, uh, for European hockey or for European hockey fans, the NHL fans over here. It's, hmm. it's you know, I, I believe he could have done a lot more during his tenure. That's interesting. Do you connect with other NHL fans that are living outside of North America then, either through your blog or Twitter um, or just knowing people who are in, living in, in Europe and enjoying the game? Well, during the, the campaign that myself and Jonathan Northall ran in 2007, I got to talk with a lot of fans in the UK who basically cheered for every team. It's was, it was really strange. You know, you, uh, um, you know, you thought there, there might be one or two teams we would find a, um, a, a fan of, but yeah, the, the, there were fans all over the place. I mean, I, I have friends in this country who we, we meet up for drinks and stuff. And you know, I, I know a St. Louis Blues fan. You know, I, know, I know people who cheer for different teams, all with interesting stories, more interesting than mine. You know how they got into NHL hockey and how they they found their team to cheer for. So yeah, I I would guess on my Twitter feed I I probably know probably know everyone from I even know someone who cheers for Vegas. So you know. Well, you need to get them to get in contact with us and come on this podcast. That's what we need. So we need to hear from fans of all different teams. So that would be great. Look us up. I will do my best for you. Let's move on and talk about Buffalo Sabres. What is the secret behind Buffalo Sabres' success at the moment? It's kind of one that's got several people around the league and the world, maybe, itching, scratching their beards, um, thinking, what has happened here? How, has, how have things gone from absolute dire to absolute amazement? And I actually dropped one of my mates, um, who was a Sabres fan, a tweet earlier saying, what on earth is going on with your team? And he just put decent tendy, decent coach and players who want to be there makes a wonderful team. Steve, um, we've touched on this in, in uh, previous episodes, but you know, these guys, the, the, uh, the look isn't running out as it may seem at the moment. They've had another fantastic weekend and the winning streak continues. Yeah, it seems that they're just like kind of like rolling along at the moment. I mean, as we touched on when we first started the show, I don't think they're a powerhouse in the Eastern Conference by any stretch of the imagination, but you, you can't knock them. They're getting wins from games they maybe shouldn't do. But I think it all starts for me with, uh, with their net minding. As I said earlier, I think, you know, all the time that stays consistent. And they've got two guys at the moment that are just playing at the very, very top of their game. And you can't necessarily expect them to continue that kind of run. But as long as they stay solid, I think it's going to be good for Buffalo. And I think for me coming into this season, the main thing I wanted to see was like everyone else. I wanted to see the number one overall pick in Rasmus Darlin, who was a phenomenal player in Europe, you know, playing at a level way beyond his years. And I think that was the one guy that everyone thought, you know, let's see what this kid can do. In the NHL, is it going to be a case that he's going to take some time to get going? And I think he has made mistakes, but at the same time, I think he's brought um, a level of confidence and he's playing like at a mature level already. And I think 
the way that the, the defense around him as well is set up is that they don't tend to make that many mistakes in my mind and they're getting some scoring from that defense as well and I think because they don't really have a lot of scoring elsewhere their scoring is up definitely but I think with the defense chipping in as well I think that's only good for them as well and I think they're just doing a lot of things right right now I know that some of the stats don't look particularly great they don't particularly jump out at you but I just think they're just doing enough and it'll be interesting when they start going into later in the season and teams have kind of you know found them out a little bit more maybe how they'll then react when they face a bit of adversity as well just reading around some of the commentary about this in the off season a lot of reporters were saying how um, there had been these big conversations that had happened uh, about the change in mentality and mindset that needed to happen amongst the whole group. You can have a few talented individuals, but if the whole group hasn't got the shared vision heading in the same direction, then it's just not going to move forwards. And publicly, uh, we saw um, Senator Ryan O'Reilly, who's now been traded, he went public um, in saying a losing mentality had crept into the locker room. Um, and then we're hearing that the coach has basically challenged his leadership group to go and sit down and have these frank discussions at all levels with all the different players so that they can just get out whatever it is they need to when it comes to differences and raise all these concerns. Um, and it's amazing how just from that off-season, how quickly that's kind of there's just a, a sense of renewed energy in the group. And you look at some of the other teams where maybe there's been some of these issues that have been boiling for a number, number of years. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously be talking about Philadelphia Flyers and some people might say that Ron Hextel, uh, his time might have been up for quite some time now because they haven't seen the results they wanted in the past few years. Um, but I think it is interesting on the surface that you see uh, what Buffalo fans who are absolute diehard, diehard great hockey fans, it's a great hockey town, um, will be overjoyed to see finally that they, they get to kind of ride the waves high. Um, Mark, I know you've got some stats um, to bring in here, haven't you, which is probably going to disprove everything that I've just said. Well, I'm going to start by saying Buffalo have got a really good coach. They've obviously done something in there to sort of turn things around but they've they've actually drafted pretty well of late as well you know they've got darling middlestat jack eichel sam reinhardt uh jack mccabe so they've got, they have got a nucleus of a good team does that mean they've got a good gm or they've got you know they've got he's got a good team around him you know that's that's often the mark of a good gm mm. you know, it's it's the people you put in place around you as well but I would say the goaltending, as, as Stephen alluded to, has, has been key for them. Carter Hutton was not, you know, he wouldn't be my number one goaltender uh, through choice. Um, but he's done a really good job, as I alluded to, with Linus Olmark. He's done better than expected, I would say. You know, they have a combined like 920 something uh, goaltending save percentage, which, you know, that's, that's going to win your games. You know, it's, it's, it's average goaltending. Um, but yeah, the, stat, the stats are interesting because if you talk to the analytics guys, the advanced stats guys, Buffalo are a really average team. Um, and it's, it's kind of borne out in the way they've won as well. You know, they've, of their nine straight victories, four have been in overtime, 
two have been in the shootout and two of their three regulation wins have been by a single goal. You know, so they're just winning. You know, it's on the precipice. Um, their shots for per game are 0.1 more than the shots against per game. They've got three more goals at, at five on five than they've allowed. Um, you know, their goaltending is just above, above average at, f- at five eight five. You know, they're just on the precipice. Uh, whether they can keep that going, it's going to come down to goaltending, I think. I think the scoring's there for them. Um but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Even their special teams have been good. Um, I kind of go by. I'm not sure if it's old fashioned now, but kind of go with a thing. If you can add up your power play and your penalty kill, and it's over a hundred, uh, then you're doing well. Um, Buffalo have got a power play of twenty percent and a PK of eighty two point six, which are both ranked fairly high in the NHL right now. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they do. I, I, a part of me wants to see them uh, make it into the wildcard spot because it, it'll be interesting. Mm. I think that's the key question, isn't it? Will Buffalo make the wild card spot? I I would like to. Who would they be contending with? I've uh, not looked at the standings this week, actually. But going Pretty back sure. to a point that was made just then is the fact that the way the game is played now, especially when you get to the playoffs, it is the special teams that makes the biggest difference. It's five on five. If you can just keep it as it is and don't give away silly penalties... You can really punish teams later on in games on the special teams. I think that's one of the things that Colorado do incredibly well is that their power play is up there with something like 31 32%. You just take advantage of those moments and just make sure that you don't give anything away on your end. Five on five now, it's great to be able to be a good team five on five, but I don't see you being a successful team and being able to win a cup by being a great team five on five. Yeah, it's Canadians that Buffalo would be fighting with right now. So you won't do so bad. They're only three points behind as, as it sits at the moment, but that would be an interesting fight, wouldn't it? Imagine doing Toronto and Canadians as a series, as a playoff series. That would be interesting too. One-sided. That was actually a possibility, you know, uh, the last couple of years. It, it was kind of in the balance. Uh, I, I think that'd almost be worse. I'd rather play Boston than Montreal. The, the thought of losing to Montreal in the playoffs would just, I don't know, send me over the edge. <laughs> It'd be like going back to 1929 or something like that, wouldn't it? It'd be bizarre. Uh, no, I, I, I just couldn't. It'd be fantastic. I mean, it, you know, there'd be fantastic games. But, uh, you know, Kerry Price would like... Uh, record a, a 9.70 save percentage for the series or something crazy. Just win the <laughs> series for them. <laughs> Let's talk GMs. I've been uh, trying to work out what it is exactly that GMs do. Um, if you had to write a job description of an NHL GM, what would it include? Um, because there are so many different styles to GMs and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it did work, but then it doesn't anymore. And that's what we've seen as the case uh, for Ron Hextel this week. Um, he obviously had a terrible weekend uh, by the sound of things. He didn't even speak to the press. He stormed out, as reporters said, uh, after that shutout um, on Saturday in Toronto. Uh, not a great uh, start to the season necessarily for Flyers. Um, and it sounds like maybe a clash 
between where he was going, the direction he wanted to go, as they said in their alluded to in their statement, and the management wanted to go in a different direction. Uh, what I'm wondering now is whether the coach, uh, Dave Hexel, will go very shortly, because surely when you see a new GM come in, then won't there be change to follow inevitably? You know, the, the he'll want his guy to be the coach. He'll maybe want his draft picks or his trades uh, or key players to come in. So does it mean further change for Philadelphia Flyers? And actually, is that what is really needed? Because people are talking about the, the loss of identity to the Flyers in that the league has changed, but who are the Flyers anymore? And we're hearing through uh, reports, listening to Hockey Central yesterday, um, they were saying that the there are many of the fans who are long-term fans who were giving up their season tickets uh, because they, they're not enjoying the game. They're not bought into the direction that the team's headed. What are your thoughts, guys? I'll open it out to, to either of you. Um, was, it, was it his time up? And what is the identity of Philadelphia Flyers at the moment? I think it's an interesting one because I think when we think of the Flyers, we think of the Flyers' great teams of the, the 1970s. I mean, they had some good times, reasonably good times in the 90s. You know, you think about like Eric Lindros era and things like that, but nothing really came to fruition um, during that particular time period. And I think when we look at what's happened in Philadelphia, I mean, Ron Hextall, if anyone's a Flyers fan, you know, will know Ron Hextall. He was a, a netminder for so many years. And I suppose a belief is when you have one of your former players in a prominent position, that they will kind of, you know, buy into what Philadelphia has always been. But I think obviously he had his way of, of doing things and it obviously didn't fit in with the philosophy of, of other people around him. And I think that can only go on for so long. And I think this past weekend was kind of the breaking point for that. I think it was interesting the way to kind of uh, have the statements come out because all of a sudden you don't turn around and say, we well, you know that like, Hexel left us in a good place because the team is young, the farm system is strong and the cap, state, cap space improved. But I think to a fan, not just only like a Flyers fan, but just a fan of a team in general, the first thing they'll hear when they hear things like that is, oh, great, so we've got like another five, ten years of this where you know it's going to take us that long to kind of get back to even being like a playoff team or like a you know one of the top teams in, in, in our conference. And I think it's all very well coming out and saying stuff like that. But it doesn't tend to go down well with the fans. So I can kind of understand it from their point of view of, you know, hang on a second here. We're about as low as we can go. And yet things don't look great coming up over the next few years. And fans like like GMs and people that are in a prominent positions in teams are not patient people these days. They want results now. And if they're not going to be now, they want them to be very, very soon. And I think, you know, when you already start looking at, you know, potential people that could kind of come into this job, it's not a great job anyway. And you're right, what you say, Claire, if you get a new GM in, they're going to want their people involved as well. So I think it's all of a sudden, you know, the players and the coaching are going to start be looking over their shoulder and going, how much longer am I going to be here? Because a new guy coming in is going to have a completely different philosophy. And I think, you know, you, you come up towards the 
um, the, the trade deadline on the 25th of February. I think that's going to be a very interesting period for the Flyers. You know, we're looking at it now. It's around about, what is it, three months away that they could maybe do a little bit of tinkering here and there. But ultimately, they're going to be a team that's going to be looking to build over the summer to maybe kind of make the little moves that they can try and do at that particular moment in time. So what you what are you going to expect if you were a Flyers fan right now for the rest of the season? I mean, you're just going to go, whatever. If we make the playoffs, that'll be fine. It's it's a I mean it's pretty much almost like a write off because at the moment you've got a scenario of where you've got rid of the GM, you're going to have to try and get a new one of those in as soon as you possibly can. This team is rock bottom in the Metropolitan in what is already a, a pretty tough division anyway. The Atlantic isn't no easier, so they're not going to make the playoffs as far as I'm as far as I can see. They've got to kind of decide over over this sort of period is right okay well these are the guys you want to keep these are the guys that got some value what can we try and do to try and you know get back in some value that's going to help us further down the line but you only really do that when you get the gm into that position because they're the ones that are going to ultimately need to make these kind of player personnel decisions and then they need to decide you know is what about the coach for me i would kind of keep the coach in play until the end of the season and then kind of maybe look at that position as well Actually, you know, they're, they're sat at the bottom in New Jersey Devils. Um, Pittsburgh are only a point ahead, but they've got a game in hand. So they're not necessarily the in the worst place in the world. But you do wonder whether to make the change at this point in the season. That's because you do it now and maybe you buy yourself a bit of time and a chance to try and salvage things together to, I don't know, at least form something ready for the playoffs because you, you're giving yourself what four months three but, but months for, ready but for me it's not about the playoffs for them it's more about getting hopefully getting a guy in soon that they can kind of look at things before the trade deadline for me when you the two teams you just mentioned there Pittsburgh for me are way more talented than Philadelphia are Pittsburgh may be in a slightly false position and they've got a lot more talent you would kind of think that they will kind of get themselves out of that mess. And then they could be a team that could be a lower-seeded playoff team that then the likes of the Lightning, the Leafs, are not really going to want to face come playoff time. The New Jersey Devils are a team, they're a young team. They played incredibly well at home, but on the road, they've been absolutely awful. And they're a much younger team. And they're, again, they're kind of where Philadelphia might want to be in about three or four years' time if they're going to go on this long rebuild. So... Although Philadelphia kind of close New Jersey and Pittsburgh, I can make a better case going forward for both of those two particular franchises. So it's it's about getting things right and evaluating this team over the next three months and deciding what you want to be able to do at the trade deadline. Because realistically, looking at the playoffs, even as an outsider, I don't think is a great idea. And let's face it, if they if by some miracle they made the playoffs. There are four game sweep away from being dumped straight back out of it again. Mm. Mark, what do you think um, should be on the job description of a GM? What are the most important aspects of their job? Well, the one thing Hextall didn't do very well was getting any kind of goaltending. So his player acquisition was questionable um, from that point of view. He, he actually drafted pretty well during his time in Philadelphia. But I think you say his, his trading was questionable. And I, I, I would say between trading and the people you uh, 
put in to the organization. That's the two most important things you can do. Um, and you, you have to have a well-rounded view on your organization. You know, analytics is now a big thing. I, I believe you have to buy into that. So I'm not sure every NHL GM does. But yeah, it's, it's a very varied job. You know, I'm, you know, I think it would be a pretty long job description now. Um, but yeah, I, I could see why Philly fired Hextall, but I, you know, I only see the coach staying there if they need sort of a, a whipping boy by the end of the year. If things get really bad, they could sort of appease fans by firing the coach. Um, but it's a it's a very strange situation there. Um, you know, if if this wasn't going to be a year when they succeeded, why did they pick up JVR? Or was it mm-hmm. just so they could trade him, flip him at the trade deadline? I'm not so sure. It's it's very curious what's going on at, at Philly right now. Well, one of the things you could probably add onto the GM job description if you're Carl Dubis is to go to as many games for free as possible. That's uh, that'd be a nice <laughs> little bonus, wouldn't it? <laughs> Well, that is their job, right? They're, they're supposed to be going out to games, uh, talking to GMs, like looking at working. Yeah, exactly. Networking, you know, and, uh, you know, when the February comes around, you know, it's, uh, it gets the fans going because like, oh, this GM's talking to that GM and uh, you know, all possible trades might be coming up. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I love seeing Kyle, Kyle Dubas watch as much hockey as, as possible. You know, he, he loves the game anyway, but um I want to. I want to see him looking at all the players possible and getting his own opinion, you know, because when it comes down to it, it's not just you know you want to have a strong opinion in there along with your scouts, along with the head coach. I believe the GM should have a strong opinion on players as well. Let's move on and just recap a couple of other things uh, that were also on our list. Um, we do have to mention, unfortunately, line A again, uh, five goals and five shots. And wouldn't you have loved to be the person that won a million dollars because he scored those five goals? So someone via some supermarket lottery has got 50 grand every year for the next 20 years, thanks to line A. Uh, you'd be pretty stoked right now if you got that kind of money. Uh, were there any kind of other highlights that you guys just wanted to give a quick shout out, things that had uh, surprised you? I think to be perfectly honest with you, I think we'd, for me, not to see any sort of surprises this past week, but I think what I like when we get to this kind of point of the season is things start settling down a little bit. You know, we we kind of know where where teams are and we can stop talking about maybe some of these surprises and start taking things um a little bit more serious i'd agree i think the one of the biggest shocks for me maybe not this past week but um how good a season calgary having in the pacific division and uh, no one's really talking about them you know and they're, they're ahead of everyone um and also vegas after a bad start and they're now third you know and I, I know that that division's not necessarily the best with vancouver and edmonton and arizona but um I wonder if Calgary might be a team to uh, to shock a few in the West this year. I still Absolutely. think the uh, Central Division is is far more loaded when you talk about Nashville. I think Minnesota are an inter- always an interesting one. I think all the time Colorado are playing very well. Winnipeg, Dallas. I think I I I honestly think this year's Western Conference Stanley Cup finalists are coming from from the center from that central division i mean i said it i think when we had our very first show claire that, that winnipeg for me were a team for the stanley cup finals in that particular conference i wouldn't mind that i think they're quite an exciting team to watch at the moment yeah. and and as we said 
Line A's gone from a drought to like an absolute powerhouse. Apparently, he was saying on one of the interviews that I saw the other day that when he was like 14, he scored 10 goals in a game. You just imagine that, 10 goals. You'd be playing against him. You'd just be like, I don't want to play against him, mom. I'm, I'm done. I'd you ban just, him. Just, yeah, you just would. You would want to ban him. him. Yeah, like, wasn't no, you're it? too good. There was a game in the UK uh, in October, some junior game, which ended up some ridiculous score, like 83 nothing. So I'm not sure if uh, I'm. I know that's true. I don't. It's like some team in Manchester. So yeah, you know, ten goals in a game. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's not quite as good. But that's unfortunately um, what happens in junior hockey sometimes. Eighty-three, nothing. That's that, awful. Don't quote me on that. But it was some ridiculous score. I'm going to go Google that. I'm going to Google that after we've done this. Uh, One bit of news that has come out, which is of interest to NHL fans from afar, is something which was pointed out by a friend who who presents uh, a Belfast Giants podcast, A View from the Bridge, um, for the Elite League. And they had a fantastic weekend. It's something that happens uh, every few years. NCAA Friendship 4 happens in Belfast. Um, They bring over some of the greats of college hockey to Belfast. Um, And it's just a great weekend where you see great talent. There's some great partnerships forming between uh, some of these colleges and also Belfast Giants in bringing players over from North America uh, to play in the Elite League. Uh, But during uh, some of the, the... the interviews that were happening uh, over the weekends, the CEO of the Odyssey Trust, uh, Robert Fitzpatrick, uh, was put on the spot by a chap called Joel Neal and was asked about what was his commitment uh, on whether he would bring back an NHL team back to Belfast in 2020, which would mark the Giants' 20th anniversary. Just have a listen to this. In 2020, we will have an NHL team in Belfast. So from my point of view, all of this um, has to add up to people starting to recognise that ice hockey in Belfast is now mainstream. And is that confirmed, an NHL team in Belfast in 2020? Well, when you say confirmed, I've confirmed it, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the aspiration would be if we celebrated celebrated 2010 with uh, an NHL team against a sort of a uh, uh, Belfast Giants guest team, uh, my... Greatest regret from having, from that achievement was that we didn't play our own team. Okay. So so my my big uh, sort of task that I'm setting myself, and we've had a number of conversations with the NHL so far, and my big task is to celebrate 20 years in hockey with uh, with the visit of an NHL team because I think that that would be the icing on the cake. And wouldn't it be wonderful if they were able to train at a rink before they came to the arena? In 2010, uh, it was actually the Boston Bruins that made their Belfast debut. Uh, I think that we could probably, all three of us here, say that we would rather it wasn't the Boston Bruins uh, if they were to come back in 2020. Maybe you, Stephen. Maybe. Maybe I won't put you in this category, <laughs> but I mean, uh, to to we've we've talked uh, before where we would assume if there was an NHL uh, team uh, or games to happen, either as part of the global series or just even a team to come over, we would have always assumed it'd be at Wembley. Never would we have thought it'd be at Belfast, right? Yeah, I don't think Belfast um, would be my first option. I mean, I've been to the the Friendship Four a couple of years ago, and it is a hell of a weekend. And if you have the chance to go, I certainly recommend it. Um, you know, four quality teams coming over from the 
collegiate system. But I mean, it, having a, an NHL team in in Belfast again in in 2020 would be a very very interesting proposition. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, like Boston with the the, the Irish roots. Um, it, I suppose was was the belief maybe then I don't know kind of the uh, the wheres and fours of it, but um, yeah, I think we'd all like to maybe see a different team, but I think just be interesting just to see you know if this does actually come to fruition as you say whether it is part of the the global series or whether it's just um just a one-off event um that could possibly happen and i would be happy probably like a lot of people to see pretty much any team come over because i think anytime you have the opportunity to see an nhl team up close whether it be a full strength team or, or or whatever i think it's definitely an interesting proposition and i think you know, people in Belfast are definitely excited about hockey, whether it be the Giants, whether it be when the NCAA are in town or anyone else. So I think it, it could be interesting and certainly something to keep an eye on. Mm. Well, we won't say we won't say no, will we? But watch no. this space. We'll keep you updated on any kind of updates on that. Uh, one to finish as well, a little bit of fun. As I was watching the Philadelphia Flyers and Leafs uh, meet up on Saturday, uh, one of the commentators uh, pointed out Flyers player Voracek and uh, <laughs> there was a sign being held up by a Flyers fan who was young saying, where is Gritty? And the commentator said, well, Voracek is probably as close as you're going to get to a human <laughs> version of Gritty on the road. Um, and it made me kind of think, because Voracek's got a, a lovely ginger, uh, l- you know, lovely, luscious ginger locks and yep. a fairly all right beard as well. And as I love my beard watchers, um, it kind of made me daydream because I was at that point in the third period, frankly, I was getting bored. Um, I started to kind of think, Imagine if you could just have a team of gingers in the NHL. How crazy would that be? And so I threw the tweet out and asked a few of you, um, who would you want to put in your uh, redhead NHL fantasy team? Um, Guys, I'll come and ask you for yours in a second, but let me just read some of the comments I've got here. Uh, So my uh, good pal, uh, Keith Jacobson, uh, who is a Flyers fan, uh, said that he regretted watching the game on Saturday. It was three hours of his life that he was never going to get back (laughs) for him. Um, He's put me, Vorchek, Giroux and me. And I said, what a red line that would be. Max Raven said, you need some defence on the team, Ginge. Uh, Dougie Hamilton of Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Jolon threw his tuppence in and said, Leafs Connor Brown. Uh, Al Parker said, the Ginger twins of Vancouver Canucks back in the day. Daniel and Henrik said in. uh, In Pasta said, the man who possibly has had the best moustache in NHL history, I must say. Lanny McDonald of oh, Leafs fame. Yes. Yeah, and Colorado Calgary. And I think he still has that moustache. I mean, it's like a small animal living on top of his mouth. Um, if you don't know who I mean, just go Google Lanny McDonald right now. Uh, Matt Day says, Cody Eakin, the ginger yeah. ninja, currently with the Knights. Stephen yep. Clan says, Freddie Anderson. Can't believe that Jolan didn't say Freddie Anderson. Uh <laughs> Dave Howard says, Owen Tippett, first round pick two years ago, is the gingerest player. (laughs) I don't think that's a word. Is the gingerest player now and will be a star for the Florida Panthers soon. And he was saying how much they need some wins. And I think they got a big win uh, a couple of days ago, didn't they? They made a comeback win. I think it was New Jersey Devils. Maybe I'm making that up. 
Um, but hopefully a bit of luck might turn for the Panthers. So come on then, Steve, who's your ginger ninja? Uh, see, uh, Cody Eakin was the first person that sprung to mind outside of the um, the Flyers um, players. It seems like they have a bit of monopoly on the um, on the uh, ginger-headed players. But I thought you'd perhaps Joe Pavelski would have been a name that you might have come up with, um, as you do like your beards as well. I think that was uh, certainly one you could certainly kind of uh, get behind. <laughs> um, Eric Stahl is a, another one potentially another name that's not been mentioned yet it's mm. surprising actually when you go through just how many ginger headed slash beardy players there are actually in the the NHL Geordie Benz another one Mr Eichel <laughs> apparently the world has only got uh, 2% of the population in the world are ginger and how hockey. many of them are ice hockey players yeah. who would have thought it <laughs> they're all playing hockey do you know what that I, I thought about this claire when you sent this to me early on i was like do you know what if i'd have been born with with ginger hair i could have been an nhl player i wouldn't have just been an emergency backup for you and jolan i would have been an actual nhl netminder yep <laughs> the Irish. scott hartnell as well <laughs> yes yeah, scott hartnell another flyer <laughs> See, that's it. If if you if you're not ginger, you can't play for the Flyers. That no. that should be the new rule. <laughs> Apparently not. But I'm disappointed I didn't get to say Owen Tippett because I watched that kid play for Miss Saga Steelheads. You can and take he, it too. You can take uh, it. He was he was my dark horse. I thought no one's going to say him. Is he the gingerest of them all? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. He is pretty ginger. I think <laughs> he, Cody Eakin yeah. is 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 pretty ginger. Well, right now I've dyed my hair red, so I'm, you know, how about I'll I'll go and be um, the equipment manager or something like that. That's I mean, I'll open the door. Yeah, I'll open the door occasionally to let them on and off. That might be all right. Who's going to host if you go, Claire? That means I'll have to stop being the emergency backup. Well, I did actually have a message from John Donovan, who uh, has commentated in the Elite League uh, for webcast yep. for a few years, and he is ginger, and he just responded saying, can I commentate? So, you know, we've got the full um, plethora of uh, people at various levels, and Keith, uh, my Flyers mate, he can do the camera work. So between us, we've got a full go. um, selection. Uh, we've got, a, you know, got a, a full team. We should be the 32nd team of the NHL. You Maybe got- next week what I'll do is uh, name me your bearded NHL fantasy team and we'll go from there. Current and past best beards and we'll we'll take it from there. But I enjoyed that very much and I enjoyed reading some of your responses too. <laughs> Plenty of ginger. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we, we're going to round up, but just to throw out to you, don't forget um, to uh, subscribe to this podcast. And also please uh, rate and review us as well, because the more that you do those things yep. actually raises our profile and we can make sure that more lonely uh, NHL fans who are also sat in their bedroom will suddenly find us and join us in this community so that we're all kind of connected and we can make friends and text each other in the middle of the night when we're all watching these games on our own crying into our beer or jumping for joy um, <laughs> texting banter to our mates saying ha 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 so we'll, uh, we'll keep that going um, Mark, it's been really great to um, have you with us. And I know you, you've just got, so, there's so much more 
leaf stuff that we could talk to i i always feel quite guilty as a host of an nhl podcast that i don't want to bang on too much about how exciting it is to be a leafs fan at the moment uh, but just point out to to people who are leafs fans where can they go and read your stuff where can they get access to your blog okay so for the toronto stuff which is mostly the marley's and i write about the prospects if you go to maple leaf hot stove uh, it's a canadian website um, and you'll find all kinds of coverage on there. For everything apart from that, um, including AHL, I write about Team GB. I wrote an article about um, Ben Bounds, Cardiff Devils, Net Mider today. You can find that on my WordPress account, which is UK Hockey Fan. If you Google that, you'll find it there. Um, yeah, uh, if you could visit those sites, that'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Well, next week, our guest is going to be, uh, she was actually, uh, um, she starred in Ice Guardians. If you've not seen that film, go check it out. I think it's now on Netflix and various other um, outlets, but it's all about hockey and violence. And she went on to study uh, and do various things in criminology and her PhD looking into violence in hockey and the things that she knows and the people who she's met and the stories she has to tell are absolutely fantastic. And she's going to join us as our guest. That's next week. Um, Steve, uh, who have you got coming up this week for Avalanche? Who's your, who's your games? Uh, we've got the plethora of, of, of games coming up this week. I mean, it all starts with the, um, the, the Nashville Predators and then we've got the Penguins and the Blues at at home as well so it's it's an interesting week I think the Pittsburgh one is a bit of a um, banana skin and Nashville I'm not haven't got too high a hopes but it will be interesting to go against them they're one of the best teams in the NHL right now so yeah another very busy week winning streak on the line so yes I'm ever hopeful of uh, some more victories well good luck um, we've, I think Leafs have got uh, Sabres coming up. So I'm glad that I've kind of looked into them a little bit more this week. So I know what, what may come up. Maybe we'll be the ones that will snap them of their streak. Wouldn't that be evil? Uh, but it'll give us something to talk about next week. Um, well, thank you to you both. Um, I feel like there's only one way to potentially um, finish this particular podcast in that I wanted to bring an element of a musical into this uh, because a couple of people that we didn't talk about as much this week, which I think we will end up talking about next week. I'm holding off. William Nylander will be one. Will he, won't he sign? The deadline is the 1st of December. We'll recap next week uh, what finally happened in that. And you send us your comments and let us know whether you think it was the right deal or not. And the other thing, as a Leafs fan, we couldn't not mention Austin Matthews and the fact that he's been out for such a long time. He might return this week. He might return by the time you listen to this podcast, or he might be another couple of games away at the week. Weekend. So the only way I feel fit to uh, finish this is with a Maple Leafs parody, which I stumbled across on YouTube, and it describes why, as Leafs fans, we all love Austin Matthews so much. I'll give them the final word. Gosh, it delights me to see you, Austin, shooting your favorite puck. All of the guys want to feed you, Austin. Those goalies are just sitting ducks. Teammates and fans all adore you, Austin. You're everyone's favorite Leaf. We hope that one day you'll be Captain Austin. Are you born Commander in Chief? No one slick as us.
Austin. No one's quick as Austin. No one handles their favorite stick like Austin. Cause we've waited so long to bring Stanley back to the streets of Toronto. You can ask any Mitch, Jake, or Cadbury, and they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. No one wins like Austin, tapes their shins like Austin. In a fidget spin match, no one spins like Austin. Yes, my fidget spinner is exhilarating. My, what a guy that Austin.